0: This is Jim English, and welcome to my podcast called Who Gives a Shit Files. And you know what? I really appreciate you listening. Got a little core listeners out there, and I'm flattered that you would spend time with me. And what we're going to talk about today is the eve of the Final Four. So the Final Four semifinals are today, and we're going to talk about upsets. And I'm going to feature three players that are in the NBA that I love because they were underdogs and because they personify the work ethic. Before we get into those players, though, I want to talk about underdogs and upsets. And By the way, this is kind of interesting. The term upset came from a horse in 1919, that beat Man of War, and Man of War by far in 1919 was the most dominant horse in the United States and probably in the world. Won the Kentucky Derby, won everything, won everything. And this horse comes along called Upset, and he upset Man of War, and that's where the team came from. Now, when you talk about great upsets and underdogs, I mean, New York in nineteen sixty nine with the Miracle Mets. I mean, the Mets sucked. they were terrible. They were a lousy baseball team, and they came out of nowhere to beat uh, to win the World Series in nineteen sixty nine Nobody could believe it, and nobody picked it. They were a hundred to one underdogs. Now, another team the same year were the Jets. When they beat the Baltimore Colts and the Baltimore Colts under Don Shula, the winningest coach of all time, was supposed to absolutely destroy him. And I remember because I was living in New Jersey at the time, Joe Namath. I love Joe Willie. He was unbelievable. He used to sunbathe in a fur coat. And, you know, it was interesting about Joe Willie is that he predicted there was gonna be a win, that they were gonna beat him. And it took all the focus off of the team and it focused on Joe Willie Namath. Now, a real quick antidote. I know a guy who was a bartender in New York City at the time. And in one of the playoff games, Joe Willie was, before one of the playoff games, he came into the bar and was doing shooters. And he was with two girls in his ubiquitous fur coat. The guy was always dressed up in a fur coat. I, I loved him. He had style. He had flair. He was brash. He was cocky. And so what he did is he proceeded to get drunkard than a skunk. And they had to carry him out of the bar at 2 in the morning. And he had a game the next day so my buddy who was once again a bartender where joe willie was pulled out of and carried out of put a thousand dollars on the team that the jets were playing in the playoffs and you know what happened joe willie threw for almost 500 yards And my buddy, who thought he would be too hungover to play, was wrong. And it cost him a grand because he didn't believe in Joe Willie. You know, you talk about other upsets or underdogs. You know, you're talking about the U.S. hockey team in 1960 and in 1980. There's no way they were supposed to win that. That's why I love sports. I love the underdog. I love upsets. I mean, let's take a look at the final four right now, or, you know, before we go to the final four, let's just take a look at some incredible upsets. You know, I talked earlier in a podcast about Fairleigh Dickinson University from Bergen County, New Jersey, where I went to high school, by the way, and how they beat Purdue and the odds were ridiculous. It never should have happened. Also, too, you got Princeton beating number two, Arizona, probably next to UCLA, the biggest brand on the West Coast. They were a second seed. They were huge. They were Pac-12 champions. I mean, you got to be kidding me. And then Princeton went to the Sweet 16. So, and now, and now, okay, in the 2023 NCAA tournament, right? So you got the one seeds are gone. They're out of here. Every single one seed. Every single two seed is gone. None of them made the semifinals. The number three seeds are gone. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Never happened. Unprecedented. Talks to what's happening in men's college basketball in terms of parity. I mean, you got Florida Atlantic who is the ninth seed, and they are playing a fifth seed San Diego State. And then you have a fourth seed UConn playing Miami, which is a fifth seed. I mean, these are all – it's amazing that these teams got there. I mean, none of them should have been there. I mean, why play the regular season if it's irrelevant? why Alabama and Purdue and Arizona and the Zags, they all go down, all go down. It is just, it's astounding to me. Anyways, I'm kind of digressing from the subject, but you know, in podcasts, that's what happens. So now I'm gonna switch to the NBA here. And you know, there are players that are absolutely reviled, they're hated. Like Ben Simmons, I cannot stand the guy. The guy drips with talent. 6'10", 6'11", can guard any any player on the floor. He, He can guard centers. Nobody can dunk over him. He's too big. He can guard wings. They can't shoot over him. The explosive point guards cannot go by him. He's just too athletic. Yet he can't shoot. I mean, shooting is time. It is commitment. And the guy has hit zero, I repeat, zero three-point shots. Last year, he sat out because the coach called him out for lack of shooting the year before. Doc Rivers in 2021 said the guy has got to shoot. This is the fourth quarter. We're paying him $40 million a year, yet he didn't shoot. He didn't shoot. I can't stand the player. Now he's out because he got a to- fat problem. You know, I mean, Will Chamberlain played every single game in 1961 and he averaged over 48 minutes a game. There's only 48 minutes in a regular season game. So he played all the minutes, all the regular seasons. You have lots of players that have done that, but Ben Simmons refuses to work on his game. He refuses to work on his body. And that's the type of person that gets all the publicity. And there are lots of there are lots of other players like this that, you know, Kawhi Leonard, what a talent. What an offensive player. What a defensive player. Uh, you know, him and Paul George, who, by the way, is an excellent player who works hard and is not in this category as load management or a malinger. He's just coupled with Kawhi Leonard, have the biggest plus minus of any two players in the NBA. So when they're on the court, their point differential is higher than any other two players in the NBA. Kawhi Leonard is dripping with talent, but he does this load management. I mean, when he's out there, he's committed, but you don't know what he's going to do. He's quiet. That's fine. He's quiet. But at 4 o'clock before a game, he's like, I don't want to play. He doesn't communicate. His team can't adjust. He's a terrible leader. And, you know, somebody who has been MVP of the NBA championship, not once, but twice, shows the type of talent that he has, yet, yet he will not commit to his team. He won't commit to playing a full load. I mean, there are a number of NBA players that get the publicity who are – dripping you know they emanate they sweat talent yet they are not committed to the game i mean i have friends of mine super dave if you listen to my podcast is a guy doing nba podcast he's had 30 surgeries i think he's had 37 but 30 of them are due to basketball i mean the man was committed he loved it barry gale a great friend of mine two hip replacements jim curry a knee and a hip replacement. John Garner, a knee replacement. You know, myself, I've never had something replaced, but there's a lot of things I can't do physically at age 71 because I played so much basketball. My ankles are shot, and they do, don't do do ankle replacements. So there's lots of us in my peer group, and what they do is they play basketball for the joy of the game. These players are so freaking lucky that they get paid $40 million a year. $40 million a year to play a game, and when they get a hangnail, they're not going to play because of load management or whatever the reason. I mean, it just makes me puke. But these are the players that get a lot of publicity. Now, there are a lot of players in the NBA, and I'm going to feature three of them, and one you've probably never heard of, and you've heard of the other two that have worked their butts off to play in the NBA. I mean, the first one I want to talk about is a guy named David Nwaba. Ever hear of him? Probably not, but he has been on the outskirts of the NBA for about seven years now, and he first came to my attention because he played at San Luis Obispo. And my son, who went to Cal Poly, knew him. As a matter of fact, my son was having a party. He gets a knock on the door. And David Nwaba comes in and says, is it OK if I have a beer? And my son goes, sure, come in. And I remember Matt telling me the story. How tall is this guy? Oh, he's, you know, 6'3", 6'4". He is not huge. So I've been curious about him ever since. And once again, about 6'4", he played at University High School in L.A. He was an all-league player, not all CIF, not all state, you know, he was all league. And he got one offer for a scholarship. And that was a D two ride to Hawaii Pacific, and they're not exactly a renowned basketball player. But what happened is the first year he redshirted. It became obvious to the coach that this six four David Nwaba wasn't going to play. So what he did is he transferred to a junior college, uh, Santa Monica Junior College in Santa Monica, California. Now where he was all league his his sophomore year so from there he transferred to Cal Poly in the Big West and he was his senior year i mean this is a senior year he was honorable mention all Big West i mean Big West is this isn't the SEC or the ACC or the Pac12 this is a second tier league and every now and then this league will win a win a uh, NCAA tournament game, and with David Nawaba, they did win a they did win a tournament game. But I want to talk about his stats for a little bit. Okay, he was his uh, senior year, he averaged twelve point five points per game, six point five rebounds, and three point five assists. Now he graduated from Cal Poly. With a degree in sociology which by the way i have a degree in sociology and he worked really hard he was a good student he was a smart guy and he worked really hard to get that scholarship so what he did in 2016 he went undrafted okay he but he worked his butt off And made the D League team, which by the way is the G League now. So I'll be referring it to the as a D League and the G League at different times because um, now it's the G League. But when 2016, it was the D League, the developmental league for the NBA. And what he did there, he toiled in the D League for a year and a half and he worked really hard. He worked on his defense, he worked on his passing, he worked on his steals and he got to the point where he signed a 10-day contract for the Lakers and then he signed another 10-day contract for the Lakers and he helped them out. Now, what happens here is this guy is a 24-year-old rookie and he had been up and down in 2016 and 2017 four times four times he went between the d league and the lakers and the d league and the lakers he kept bouncing back and finally the lakers waived him they waived him at the end of the 2017 season and what he did is based on his defense And based on his rebounding, he signed with the Bulls, and he signed a two-way contract. And eventually, they gave him a contract for the rest of the year. Now, in 2018 and 2019, he signed with the Cleveland Cavaliers, a full-fledged million-dollar contract for the Cavs and had his best year. He was averaging five, six rebounds as a guard. He was averaging a steal and a half. And he was playing stellar defense. And this is because of hard work. This guy was not endowed with great talent. He was not endowed with great height. What he was, was a hardworking guy. In 2020 to 2022, he signed a contract for with Houston, and Houston paid him ten million dollars, so he got five million dollars for two years, and he has made fifteen million dollars in his in his uh, in his uh, NBA career. David Nwaba, and he's done it by hard work. I mean, there's no there is no other reason, you know. If Ben Simmons or Kawhi Leonard had this guy's commitment to basketball or this guy's commitment to defense and rebounding and playing. He played every – he was never hurt. He was never hurt. There was no load management. This was desire intensity. And what happens, he makes $15 million a year. And to finish my thought, if Ben Simmons was committed as David Nwaba, he would have been – In the top five players of all time, David Simmons, uh, I'm sorry, Ben Simmons would have been on Mount Rushmore for NBA, but instead he's a slug and he is reviled. I love David Nwaba. I love the underdog. I love the fact that he has carved out his living. And by the way, right now, he's a free agent. And he is working, even though he's made all that money. I mean, he could have gone to Europe and made a pile more money. You know, he could have made five, six, seven hundred thousand. But instead, he is in, it's now the G League. He is in the minor leagues of the NBA. And he is trying to work his way back onto a roster in the NBA. I mean, I just love this guy. I love his work ethic. I love his humility. And I love the fact that he came out of nowhere, made $15 million. And now, you know, now he's, he's set for life if he's smart with his money. And I do believe he is smart. He's a smart guy. He had a over a 3.0 grade point average at Cal Poly which is a good school because both my kids graduated from there. So, hats off to David Nwaba. Now, the next guy I want to talk about is Alex Caruso. So, Alex Caruso is 6-5. Now, he played for the Lakers. So, most of you have probably heard of heard him, but you know, this is another testimonial to hard work, commitment. So, Alex Caruso he played high school ball at consolidation high School and in a college station where texas a and m is where he went to college and he averaged eighteen and nine i mean that 's credible work that 's credible work. He was all league and you know he played you know he played hard now both of his parents worked at texas a and m So he was added on to Texas A&M. He didn't get a scholarship, but he didn't need to because he got a free education because his parents worked there. And what he did at Texas A&M, he was a credible player, played tough defense, and, you know, passed the ball. And once again, I can't, I can't, like, overemphasize how committed he was to hard work because defense – and steals, he averaged two steals his senior year, led the uh, led the big 12. I'm, yeah, uh, I'm sorry, led the SEC in steals. I mean, that is commitment. When you're doing steals, when you're leading the league in steals, that is keeping your body tone. It's also a ton. I repeat, a ton of film work. So what happened? to the team uh, Texas A&M as they made the, the playoffs and he averaged his senior year 8.7 um, points a game and 4.7 assists and once again two steals and he was second team SEC all, all league so I mean these are not credentials of an NBA player I mean yes they're credible credentials in terms of a player that played in college but you know I mean what can you say i mean it's not these are not great credentials so he was undrafted in 2016 and he tried out for the D league and he worked and worked and worked and in 2017 he made the Lakers. So his first year, he didn't even make a summer league team, but he did make the D League. In 2017, he was on the Lakers, he was on the Lakers summer league team. And I remember seeing him because I would watch the you know, I'm such a Lakers fan, I'm such a Lakers geek. I would watch the Summer League teams because I wanted to see how their draft choice, and at the time it was D'Angelo Russell. How, how they would do it. I noticed this guy diving on the floor, making steals, you know, scratching out tough rebounds, staying in front of everybody. At times, people went over him, but nobody went around him, and nobody went through him because he was strong and quick, and I loved the way he played. And good passer, and he earned the first two-way contract in the history of the Lakers. So they signed him for a two-way contract. And then he was on another two-way contract. And finally, in 2018, he signed an NBA contract where he was getting real money. Now in 2018, he averaged 21 minutes per game 48.3%, Forty eight point three percent three point shooting, two point seven rebounds, three point one assists, and a steal. So the guy worked his way onto a an NBA team. Just hard work, not talent. You know, he had some talent, you know, six five. Not very big, really, not by NBA standard. Average player in the NBA is six seven to six eight. So he was well shorter, but he was quick and he worked hard. In 2019, 2020, the Lakers signed him to a contract of $5.5 million for two years. So he got his money. Now, in 2020, I just love this story. So in 2020, during the bubble, the COVID year, when LeBron James and Anthony Davis won a championship. It was a short COVID year, and they won it. And I have to tell you, Alex Caruso got a ring. He got an NBA championship ring. And you know, these are stories. During the playoffs, he averaged 5.5, 5, two rebounds, two assists, and 1.1 1. 1 steals. That was during the playoffs. During the finals, so in the NBA finals, right, he averaged 6.5 points, 2.3 rebounds, 2.8 assists, and once again, over a steal a game. I mean, this guy got himself a championship ring. He worked so hard to do it. I I just love this. I just love this. It's just hard work. Now, um, the Lakers didn't want to pay him. The Lakers, this is so dumb. The Lakers didn't want to pay him. You know, all of a sudden, after 2020, he became a desirable free agent. And he signed a contract, a four-year, $37 million contract with the Chicago Bulls. And, you know, he was in Chicago. He averaged last year 7.4 points per game, 3.6 rebounds, 4 assists, 1.7 steals. He was among the leaders in steals in the NBA. And once again, steals are a statistic that are that are that manifest hard work. They manifest, you know, keeping your body in shape. Watching the films, I mean, to get one point seven steals, you have to watch a ton of film to understand who you're guarding's tendencies, what the team is like, you know how where are the passing lanes? I mean this guy i just i just I just love him, I just love him. He makes things happen and a lot of like the quickness, this disrupt, disruption that he does. Getting his hand on passes they don't they don't calibrate in statistics they don't manifest themselves in statistics. He is so disruptive and here is the here is the thing in his first year in the nBA he was a thirty point thirty uh, percent three point shooter and a seventy percent a seventy percent free throw shooter okay now this year. He is a 36% three-point shooter and an 81% free-throw shooter. This guy did it through just simply hard work. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. You know, this guy is making his bones in the NBA. He is a solid NBA player. I mean, he is doing, his statistics in the NBA are not that much different than what he did at Texas A and M, there are several players in NBA history that have that have made you know indelible marks in the NBA. They've simply been able to adapt their game through hard work, intelligence, basketball IQ, and become you know really really good players. One of those players who happens to be on my favorite team. Of all time, not only my favorite team, which is the Lakers, but my favorite team, which was the Lakers of the 80s, was Michael Cooper. Michael Cooper played against Lloyd and Phil Rulin, who are friends of mine, when he was at Pasadena High School. They were at San Marino High School. They played him every year, and he was a good player there. He played defense. He was a good shooter. You know he was you know he was but he wasn't an all-star you know he didn't get a bunch of scholarship offers michael cooper so what happened is michael cooper then went to pasadena community college and he did the same thing at pasadena community college that he did in high school and then he went to mexico as a matter of fact a friend of mine mike caller who was on the War Devils? If you listen to my podcast, you know that I talked about my collar 6'6, six, six, a really good uh, I mean he was a great, he was a great player for the War Devils. We used to call him Magic Mountain, but he played with Michael Cooper at the University of New Mexico. And Michael Cooper's stats in high school, in junior college, and in college were about the same. He just kept elevating his game. He kept playing defense and shooting and doing the same thing. And so finally, he was a third-round pick of the Lakers, a third-round pick. You know, they don't even have a third-round pick in the NBA, so he would have gone undrafted. And he became the de- best defensive player on the— I think is the best basketball team of all time, which are the Lakers of the mid eighties. Now, Larry Bird, I remember him quoting saying he was going on, he was playing for the Celtics, you know, one of the best players. Cocky, you know, a great shooter, mean, nasty. Never ever gave an opponent a break. I remember him winning a three-point shooting contest without taking off. His sweats. He was tough. He was mean. And he never gave anybody any quarter. So he was talking about a West Coast swing that the Boston Celtics were going to have to do. And what happened is Larry Bird, I remember this saying, you know, I love going to the West Coast because nobody plays defense except for Michael Cooper. I love that. Michael Cooper, Alex Caruso, David Nwaba have one thing in common, and that is they elevated their game through hard work, basketball IQ, at whatever level they played at, high school, junior college, college. They played the same level, the same game, and got basically the same statistics that they they did at all levels. And when you can adapt your game and work hard enough to do it, I just love it. I mean, I can't tell you how much I love those players, which brings us to the last player that I want to talk about. And this guy is a wonder, and I just love him. I love him. Austin Reeves, 6'5". He was a three-star prospect out of Newark, Arkansas, not exactly a basketball mecca. Now, he was all-state in Arkansas. Now, Arkansas is a small state. They don't have a lot of basketball. I mean, they don't have a Chicago or an L.A. or a D.C. or a New York City. You know, know, they're a smaller state. So he was all-state. In his freshman year, he got a ride. State Wichita States had some pretty good basketball teams in the past, and when he was there, they were you know they were pretty tough, but his freshman year, okay, he averaged four point one per games and he was buried deep on the bench. I mean this is not exactly the career of a future nBA player now, his sophomore year. I mean, he elevated these stats to eight point one points per game and three point one rebounds per game and so I mean once again, you know these are these are okay stats I mean they're not bad, but he is by no means a star at Wichita State. His sophomore year he was still buried in on the bench, so what they did is he decided he was going to transfer. He didn't think he was going to get the playing time, so he took a year off. Now, he was 6'5", about 175 pounds, okay, and for the year. So it's not like, you know, back when when he was playing in 2018, there was no portal. You couldn't transfer. You had to sit out for a year. So he decided that he was going to sit out and work on his body. So he showed up in Oklahoma at 6'5", 200 pounds. He worked his butt off. He shot and he hit the weights. And all of a sudden, he is a strong player. At Wichita State, he got pushed around. He got swatted like a fly. Showed up at. Showed up at... Oklahoma, and he's got 25 pounds of muscle, and he elevated his game. As a senior, he got he averaged uh, 18.3 points a game, five and a half rebounds, and 4.6 assists per game. Now he was undrafted, you know. And now there's only two draft, you know, two rounds of draft. So he was undrafted. And he he went to a summer league team, signed a two-way contract with the Lakers. And what happened is he was up and down with the Lakers, you know, up to the D League. You know, I mean, I'm sorry, up to the NBA, back down to the D League. So when people got hurt in 2021, they brought him up. Now, what he did is he averaged in 2021, 7.3 points per game, 3.2 rebounds, and 1.8 assists. And he shot you know, 32% from three-point land and free throws about 84%, but he kept working hard. He kept showing, and there were big moments In 2021-2022 season, where he stepped up, he hit big threes. You know, there was um, Anthony Davis was hurt, and LeBron was hurt, so he got his opportunity, and he made the most of it. And in 2000, this year, in 2022 and 2023 through hard work through watching films through lifting weights through you know being the first one in the gym and the last one out lebron has commented on his his work ethic and and anthony davis was comparing his work ethic austin reeves's work ethic to kobe bryant i mean kobe bryant was a legendary worker God I loved his commitment. And Austin Reeves doesn't have the talent, doesn't have the size of a Kobe Bryant, but nonetheless, he's got the work ethic of a Kobe Bryant. And now the Lakers are starting to roll, and he is a big big part of that. And they need him right now. Okay, because the Lakers right now are in 7th place, which means that they would have to play a play in game and they are seven and three in their last 10 games. And big part of the reason is Austin Reeves. Okay. Now listen to these stats, listen to these stats in the last 10 games. And once again, the Lakers want to get into the, into the playoffs. They don't want to play on in game. They need to go up one more spot. They need to get to the sixth spot. And, you know with the team they have right now if they're in the 6 spot i i think they can beat anybody anybody i mean so so anthony davis last night was 37 points and 17 rebounds he was a monster he you know anthony davis is playing at an mvp level if, and God, I got my fingers crossed, my nose crossed, my arms crossed, my legs crossed, I'm playing, being a Lakers fan that I am, that, that he stays healthy you know, for the playoff run. And that LeBron stays healthy for the playoff run. And they got a bunch of really good wings now that are playing really well. D. Russ has matured since he left the Lakers initially, and he's back. He is playing really well. But I have to tell you, the linchpin, the player that is doing what nobody ever envisioned him doing over the last 10, 10 games is Austin Reeves. And let me, let me tell you his stats. Last 10 games, right, 18.8 points per game, almost 19 points a game, 3.7 rebounds per game. 6.1 assists per game. His turnover to assist ratio is low. The man's got an excellent IQ. He's disruptive. He hits the three, he goes to the hoop. He's got over a steal per game in the last 10 games. He has been a critical piece to the Lakers' success. Since the All-Star break. I mean, what can you say? I, I have to tell you that if AD and LeBron and, and, and if Austin Reeves stays healthy, that they have a chance to win the West and win the NBA championship. So, in summation, you know, I love these three guys. David Nawaba, Alex Caruso. And and Austin Reeves, once again, these three players were all underdogs. They were not supposed to ever make NBA team. And through hard work, dedication, film room work, you know, working on their bodies, working on their shots, being the first in the gym, the last to leave, you know, they have become integral pieces in the NBA And shown that the little guy, that the underdog is alive and well in the NBA. And you know what? To hell with Kawhi Leonard. You know, to hell with Ben Simmons. I don't care about these players because for every one of these superstars that are prima donnas, that worry about load management, that worry about how much money they make, there are a dozen players in the NBA that have worked their ass off to get to the point where they are now, which is contributing to NBA teams and potentially contributing to the playoffs and maybe even an NBA championship. I love the Lakers. I love David Nwaba. I love Alex Caruso. And I love Austin Reeves. Thank you for listening.